Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. You're listening to The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome Podcast. Welcome to episode 37 of The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. As always, thank you so much for making it a point to find this pod. I know you have a million different options and choices of content to consume, and you have to choose carefully and spend your time wisely, and it means the world to me that you have found this podcast. Or maybe this is your first time, and I have the opportunity to grab and keep you. So let me thank you for giving me that shot. And given today's guest, I feel very good about my chances because today's guest essentially is unlike anybody I've ever seen or heard or even read about because he pulled off something that I would have thought to be physically and mentally impossible. You know that whole rap, anything is possible? Or given that Think and Grow Rich was the very first self-development book that I ever read dating back to when I was in college, I'll even invoke Whatever the mind can conceive, it can achieve. Sure, except this. I don't think my guy Napoleon Hill ever conceived of doing 100 triathlons in 100 consecutive days. But the Iron Cowboy, James Lawrence did. Not only conceived it, but achieved it and inspired countless people worldwide as he documented that journey. I saw it, and I'm still having trouble wrapping my head around it. I just knew that when I saw it, I had to meet and speak with the man behind it, and today is the day, and I'm absolutely hyped for the opportunity to do so and to share the conversation with you, because what he has done and what he has to say in this conversation has already helped me reshape and revamp my mindset. It's that powerful. He's a mindset and fitness coach, a father and a husband, an author, and the man behind the Conquer 100. It's episode 37 of the Reinvention Project with guest James Lawrence, and it's coming at you right now. James, I've got to say, I've been looking forward to having this conversation for quite some time and really, really eager to meet you and talk to you and have my listeners have the same opportunity. Thank you so much for making time for this. How are you and how is everything with your tribe right now, my man? Uh, I am good. And Jim, it's it's an absolute honor. I appreciate the opportunity, but we're good, man. I, I live in Utah. It's beautiful. It's ski season. Um, I've got five kids, four girls, four teenage girls and a son and a beautiful wife. We just celebrate 21 years. And so we are we are blessed, my man. Congratulations. That is an amazing accomplishment in and of itself. Four teenage girls. That might be your greatest <laughs> accomplishment of all. All right, so let's just jump right into this. You you conceived of, James, and achieved one of the most astounding things I have ever seen. Like, I would have said it's completely unfathomable, except that you have already done it and I've seen it. For those who do not know, what exactly is the Conquer 100? So the, the Conquer 100 consists of a swim, bike, one run triathlon of the full distance triathlon, most commonly known as uh, an Ironman. And what that is, is it's a 2.4 mile swim, a 112 mile bike ride, followed by a full 26.2 mile marathon run, a total of 140.6 miles. 
And we set out on a journey, man, to do a hundred consecutive, no days off. That's an iron distance triathlon um, a day for a quarter of a year. All right. So th- this is an astonishing thing. What made you want to do that? Why did you set out to do that initially? Oh, man, there's so many facets to that question. Um, one is obviously it always has to be a personal journey. Um, and and I've just, you know, I, I get the question asked a lot of time, like, what am I running from? Like, was there some type of trauma or something that happened in my past or um, addiction I'm trying to get away from? And uh, man, I had a beautiful upbringing in Canada. I grew up in Calgary, Alberta with, with unbelievable parents and, and three sisters. And um, for me, I, I'm just running towards potential and adventure. And, and we've always we've always attached um, a charitable component to this. And during the Conquer 100, we, we were trying to raise awareness for the, the tragic, um, shocking um, uh, issue of human and sex trafficking that's, uh, that's, that's happening in today's society. All right, so very clearly, I was going to say, it doesn't strike me like you're running away from anything, but running to something. But you mentioned this notion of a journey, like what you accomplished is even more remarkable when you consider where that journey started. In fact, take me back, because you like to say that everybody has a start to their journey. How did your journey start? Yeah, for me, I mean, I grew up a wrestler in Canada and, and I absolutely loved it. And I did, you know, with, with three sisters, no brothers, and none of them are into athletics. I, I tried every sport I could and it became my community, my tribe. And, um, and you know, you, 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 you have pivot, pivot moments and, and turning points in your life. And, and I mean, crazy story, but I rode a Ferris wheel at the Calgary Stampede for 10 days and it, it, it shifted my direction. I came to visit a friend in Utah, met my wife. And we just started the American dream and, uh, you know, owned a mortgage company and started having kids. And she just one day said, Hey, we've got this four mile fun run on Thanksgiving day. Um, let's do it together. And I was like that, I don't know that anybody runs for fun, sweetheart. (laughs) And, uh, and I ended up doing that four mile fun run and it just, it destroyed me. And, and that led from one thing to another. Cause I wasn't, you know, I, I just didn't, I didn't sit right that that was hard. And uh, went to the marathon and that destroyed me even further. And I was like, okay, you know, I got to figure this out. And, and it's when Lance Armstrong was at his peak and I started to look into cycling, found triathlon. And I just really dove in and fell in love with it because it was a way to, to have um, an, a competitive outlet as, a, as an adult male. All right. So the thing is now we got to break this part because your wife, Sonny, convinced you to do that four mile fun run. And it sounds like it was not fun at all. But even before you did the (laughs) marathon that you mentioned, James, right, she, Sonny, actually kind of tell me if I'm wrong, but did she not kind of get into your face one Thanksgiving? And if so, what did she tell you? It it was actually after that four mile fun run on Thanksgiving, as I'm like heaped in the corner, um, she looked at me and she lovingly said, um, James, you're pathetic. And I just signed you up for the Salt Lake City Marathon. Start training. Figure this out. <laughs> All right. So like that, that's some pretty tough love right there, right? That's pretty <laughs> yeah, tough love. Like, it is. Like, I mean, did why did she tell you that? I mean, it's one thing for you. Like, you're not, you're a wrestler, right? You don't run. That was a bad experience. But when she said you're pathetic, was she kidding around? Or was there a message in that? I mean, did she come at you pretty hard? Uh, I mean, we we are both fun loving. um, And even when we're joking around, there's always an under uh, tone or a hint of truth. And uh, although she is and we are super playful, 
um, I, I just looked at that and, and kind of had to take a step back and, and see how much truth there was to that, um, that as a, as a grown fit individual, was there something I was missing? Was I neglecting the inner part of me that, 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 that we function on a cardiovascular system, that part of our health. And I mean, I looked good. I was a gym goer, but I wasn't per se healthy. And, uh, and that was kind of a realization. And so I, I, I appreciated her, um, honesty, even though it was half joking, half honest. Today, small business owners are busier than ever. Time spent searching for and interviewing candidates can take time away from managing and growing your business. This is why LinkedIn Jobs has made it easier to get to the candidates that are worth interviewing faster, and it is free. I love it. I was using it last night. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. Focus on candidates with the skills and experience that you need. Use screening questions to get your role in front of only the most qualified people and then use the simple tools on LinkedIn Jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you would like to interview and hire. Once again, I use it for the program. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates worth interviewing faster. Did you know every single week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Rome. LinkedIn.com slash Rome to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, listen, I get that. I got a buddy. I got a guy that I know that years and years and years ago, he, his wife said, hey, honey, you're kind of chunking up a little bit and just said it like that. <laughs> and let me tell you, this dude went into the weight room and never left and never left. And I think that's kind of what we're talking about right here in a way. Like when she said to you, I signed you up for the Salt Lake City Marathon. Did you even know how long a marathon was? No, I, I didn't. I actually had to go look it up and, and I, I, I was like, okay, that seems impossible. <laughs> and I, I legit found a free program online at the time it was couch to marathon because that's where i was um and i and i just i just dove in and tried to learn everything i can and i remember coming home from some training runs and i was like sweetheart i did six miles and i didn't even stop running um and so and we look back at it now and that's a that's a warm-up for what we do or have have gotten into but again like like you said right at the beginning of this i mean every journey has a beginning and that that was that was mine and ours that's pretty funny i i did six miles i didn't even stop all right so then you do it and you run that marathon so i mean you did it and you did it was that a good experience or was that a horrible experience how did that go the first one no it was, it was an awful experience um just like everybody that starts running i developed some imbalances and, and issues with my knee and my ankle and all these things. And um, I, I just figured out how to keep moving during that marathon, but, but threw up violently at the end. Um, I just got sick because my nutrition was way off and dehydration. So, you know, you do everything wrong when you have no idea what you're doing. Um, and and f- real quick, funny story. Sure. I went to some MMA fights that night. I'm a big fight fan. Um, they were in Salt Lake City. I went to some fights and I just sat in my seat and I refused to move. And at the end of that night, I went to stand up and I couldn't. And, and my knees were just so swollen up and my ankles were swollen and I couldn't move. I had to be, I had to be wheelchaired out of the stadium. Um, and that's a defining moment in, 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 a, in a man's life. And again, I didn't want that moment to define me. And um, I, I kind of had to, had to take a step back and look, okay, am I, am I in this much pain because I don't run or because I did run? and associated it with, well, I wasn't prepared. And how do I overcome that? How do I become more prepared? Thousands of people around the world run successfully pain-free. I want to be able to achieve that. 
I, I don't want to gloss over this. Like, I, I'm a huge MMA guy, too. But you can imagine in an arena like that, man, there's a lot of, I don't know, testosterone. There's a lot of machismo. I would ego. Imagine, yes. Ego, for sure. I would imagine. And never mind. Like, anybody would understand that if you just ran your first marathon and you tried to get up and could. And I guess people would understand that. But you're a prideful guy. And probably that stayed with you. I'm curious. At that point in time, how did you feel about running and endurance sports? In sports, I should say. Oh, in that exact moment, right. I was like, I am never doing that again. And it was just, that was one of the the lows as far as, you know, in that environment and everybody's looking at you. And there's just, again, like you said, so much testosterone and, and machoism in that moment. And you're just like, okay, I'm, I'm never doing it again. I never want to feel that again, if that's the result of this. But, you know, a couple of days go by and whatnot. And you're like, man, I can, I can do that better. Right. Cause now the better side of our ego comes in wanting to be a best version or a better version of who we were in that moment. And I was, I was like, I can either just like allow that to be my experience or I can dive in and see if I can, you know, dissect this and see if I can do it better than I did. All right. So again, I don't want to gloss over this. This is key. I mean, you are a mindset coach, you're a fitness coach. This is, there's so much in this, like you slept on that and then you woke up and you did flip your mindset on that, didn't you? I did. And I had a a fortunate, I had a a friend who was into, into fitness and into triathlon. He said he challenged me to do this sprint triathlon. And he said, there's no way you can beat the time that I posted this year at the event. And he was in the top 1% of the event. And I, and I, I kind of stepped back and I said, why, like, why couldn't I do that? And that was really the start of my journey is, is I, I trained for that one event uh, in one, one year's time and did everything I could. I ended up racing 14 races that year. Um, just really diving into the sport, fell in love with the community and, yeah, I, I smoked that time. And uh, that was, that was kind of the realization where I said, okay, maybe there's something here. Maybe there's, there's a, there's a future for me in this sport. All right, James, you and I could do hours, if not days on the conquer 100 in and of itself. But let me just ask you a few specific things about it. It seems to me, there's no way you get through something that challenging mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally without having the biggest bleeping why in the world, like a why that is so much bigger than the enormous sacrifices and pain that you must have endured, maybe a hundred whys. What was the why going into that specific campaign? Well, there's, there's a long history, Jim, sure. uh, leading up to that. There's um, learning experiences and whatnot. And we had done a journey in 2015 called the 50. And that was 50 Ironmans, 50 days, 50 states. And we had made mistakes during that because it was totally uncharted territory that nobody had done. And I'd always said to myself, okay, I, I want to, I want to do the 50 over again, never wanting to do the 50 over again. Hmm. And, and, and one of my biggest whys was to, to prove to myself that we could do what we initially said we went out and did. And I said to myself, okay, if I, I, if I wanted to find out how many consecutive full distance triathlons I could do, the 50 was riddled with chaos um, exhaustion and all of these things. And so when the pandemic hit, there was an opportunity um, for me to reset my history. And I thought to myself, if I could remove chaos, if I could put systems in team in place, could I double what everybody thought was impossible um, and, and really um, change the way people thought about what human potential was? And, and, and for me, it's just the, the biggest reason why is always, why not? 
I mean, heady, heady, heady stuff. So you go into this thing, James, but you're busted up going into it, and nobody knows. You're busted up going into it. You're busted up during it, and early in it, by the way, you had any number of reasons that you could have shut it down. You flat out could have quit. And I think that most people would understand, but you didn't. Why was quitting not an option? Every it's interesting. Yeah, I had I had a slight ankle injury going into it, and it quickly quickly swelled up. Uh, and by day five, I mean my legs were so swollen, and I had already developed a stress fracture in my shin. Um, and I'm staring down just the the biggest rifle barrel of 95 consecutive more to go. And and you, you don't quit because you, you've made a commitment to do one thing. And, and I've lived my entire career, my life to try to set the best example. I know how for my kids. And, and, and really that became the, the crux of, of what we were doing is this, everything we do is a big family journey. And the public would have accepted, you know, me, me quitting because I mean, day number one, it was 18 degrees outside. It was freezing cold. And, you know, we, we, we did, we had a bazillion different reasons to quit. And I, I try to teach my kids that your word is your bond. And when you commit to do something, you, you try to figure out ways to accomplish and finish what you started. And I, and I figured I'd be a hypocrite if I, if I didn't at least try. All right. So there's that. And then there's something else to it, as it relates to quitting that I absolutely love that you've said, quote, it's okay to feel it's not okay to quit. What exactly does that mean? And how did that kind of manifest itself? Yeah, we've got a team around us in, you know, during the, the 50 that I alluded to earlier, it, there was a, there was just a really small core team. It was myself, the two wingmen, Casey and Aaron, and then my wife, Sunny, and obviously our kids, but it was the four of us. And when, when we go all in, um, we, we put this team together for a reason because we have that same mindset. We go all in and then we become master problem solvers, but without fail, Every single one of us during different parts of the journey needed a moment to process what was going on, um, whether it was depression, sadness, confusion, fatigue, whatever it was. Um, nobody ever had to talk anybody off the ledge of quitting. It was always respecting your space, giving you a moment to internalize what's going on, feel that emotion, and then quickly turning it around and getting back to work. And so it's it's okay to feel. It's okay to process. I think it's actually one of the most important things we can do on a journey. What we can't do is quit, abandon, and then start to spiral. All right, so you made this really clear that it's it's about a team. I mean, your family is your primary team, but you have a team. You have a team in place, and I got to go back to Sunny. Sunny sounds amazing. Like, what is Sunny like, and exactly what is her role on the team as it relates to this, and especially the Conquer 100? Yeah, with the Conquer 100, I mean, she she was everything. She wanted to again fix a lot of the mistakes we did on the 50, and she she said, "I'm I'm the I'm the captain of this team, and everything runs through me." And and after 21 years of marriage, there's few people that know me better than me than her, and she knows me better than me. And um, she she really took control of this. Um, she 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 ran point on everything, and everything did go through Sunny. She is the the backbone of what we do. Um, she's the energy. She is. She, uh, she is the team. Uh, I'm not the Iron Cowboy. We're the Iron Cowboy. But she is is really the one that that drives this. Um, is is insanely positive by nature, and it's just one of the best support systems um, anybody could ever ask for. I think it's incredible. You know what that is? That's Shopify's new sales sound. It pumps me up. 
because that's the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Feels great to close a sale, doesn't it? Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business so upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Listen, scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. Believe me, this podcast started out selling office chairs. Today, we're selling business solutions, technology, and more, and we are not stopping there because success is a million milestones on a forever evolving path, right? Shopify powers over millions of businesses from first sale to full scale, reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. I'm telling you, it's absolutely amazing. Go to shopify.com slash Rome, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Try it. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash Rome right now. Again, shopify.com slash R-O-M-E. You know, speaking of incredible, you said something that I thought was incredible that I've been wanting to ask you about. You said it to our mutual friend, Ed Milet. You said, this is a quote now, I want to congratulate anyone right now who is at rock bottom. Why is rock bottom a good thing? Uh, you know, because it allows us to have uh, moments of self-reflection. And when things are easy and they're flowing and, and yeah, just easy, um, that that's where we we don't see growth. I truly believe that we're never just standing still. We're either moving forward or we're moving backwards. And when you hit rock bottom, it is the ultimate opportunity to take a step back and reflect on, on how you got to where you were, where it is you want to go. And um, I am so grateful for the moments that I've hit rock bottom. We lost everything during the economy. We used to own a mortgage company. And, and I do, Jim, I remember the day they knocked on my door and they took away my home. And when you've got five little kids that you're responsible for and, and, a, and a beautiful bride that has supported you along your entire journey, um, that is, that's a hard moment. And we all have a choice in those moments. We get to choose how we react to the things that happen around us. And um, so it's hard in that moment. But if you choose to stand up, persevere and continue on, that rock bottom is a beautiful place because it's an opportunity for growth. Mm. I mean, you make the worst thing ever sound like the best thing ever. And I believe you when you say it, can you quickly kind of share like, okay, so what's the process for that? How, how did you begin to fight your way out of that wreckage? Yeah. The way you fight yourself out of a wreckage is the same way you attack a monster goal. And it's just the old, the old saying of it's you eat an elephant one bite at a time. And the reason most people fail is because they set a giant goal and then immediately they get overwhelmed with how big it is and what it's going to take to get there. I, I coach athletes around the world for Ironman racing and they, they get all excited. They set the goal and then they come to me and I, I lay out their plan and they do the first workout and they were like, that was hard. I can't possibly do an Ironman because that almost broke me. And I was like, look, do you trust me? Yes. Do you trust the process? Yes. 
then our only goal is what's right in front of us and what we can control. And as soon as I can get someone to understand that, that it's just the, the, the one thing that's right in front of you that's manageable, and then we start chipping away at it. That, that's the, that is the greatest secret to success right there. It is to remove everything off. The opposite of it is catastrophizing. And catastrophizing is taking an event in the future that hasn't even happened yet. It's the worst case scenario. And then we give it all of our power. That, that's the opposite of what we should strive to do and accomplish. In other words, you give that, you give it energy and you give it power and it hasn't even happened yet. So this isn't even something about just for endurance athletes. I mean, literally this works, this, this process you're talking about works for all of us in our lives, correct? Absolutely. Every aspect, every element, we are all sidelined in life because of fear and anxiety. It paralyzes us. And so that's the ultimate way to remove that fear and that anxiety is to just keep breaking it down until you've got one manageable task in front of you. I guarantee you, no matter how broken you are, no matter what you're trying to accomplish, you can break something down until you can find the one manageable, easy task to do. James, I mean, that, that, that to me is the bottom line. I think this applies to everybody. You're right. We are all, all of us are paralyzed by fear and anxiety. People are afraid. So I'm really curious, how do you personally view fear and then how do you go about attacking it and overcoming it? Yeah, I think I think that people just need to realize that fear is just an emotion. It's an emotion like happiness or sadness. Um, it, it's just that it's a it's an a, emotional release that our body has. And the way to break it down is to slowly back away from it and remove the emotion and then break it down till it's a manageable task, whatever that can, can be, because it, it, it is fears look and are massive and they're scary and they're overwhelming. And we have to get it to the point where we can start to chip away at that. And that's just reverse engineering anything. It's reverse engineering. It's detaching. And then it's breaking things down into manageable, digestible chunks like the 100, for instance, what kind of chunks did you break that into? Oh my gosh. I mean, there was moments where I had to be literally broken down into to the next step because it was so paralyzing. Mm. I, I remember I was, I was, I was, I was literally waiting for the, the moment on the, the marathon where my leg was going to break because of that stress fracture. And I thought to myself, this is the only reason that the public will allow me to, to quit and have it be an acceptable reason if I snap my leg. And I remember I got home on day 15 and, um, and, and I said to my wife, I said, I don't think I can manage that level of pain um, for 85 more days. And she said, you don't have to. And I said, what do you mean? I don't have to, I, I've committed to this. Like, well, I'm, again, our, our team, our word is our bond. And she was like, you, you trust your team, allow us to put you back together tonight. And all you have to do is show up tomorrow and start. And I thought that was just so profound um, because again, we get overwhelmed. I was so overwhelmed thinking about 85 consecutive more days of this. Cause I was, I was broken. And she just said, no, all you have to do is trust your team. And then all you have to do is show up tomorrow and start. And I knew every single day, once I started, it was easy. The rest of the day was easy. It was going to be just putting one foot in front of the other, figuring out how to move. And eventually time movement happens and you make it to the finish line. Reset, wow. repeat, right? Right. And what I'm also hearing is you said, you knew that as soon as you showed up, everything was going to be fine. So for most people, for most people, you're not obviously like most people, but for most people, James, how big of an issue is just showing up? How many problems would be solved just by showing up every single day? Yeah, this is a this is a divided debate. I mean, because you hear the people that say, 
man, no, showing up isn't the, the hardest thing to do. That's the easiest thing to do. And I'm like, no, that's what uh, most people struggle with. I'm like, wake up, take a look around. Most people are sitting at home feeling sorry for themselves, hiding in the darkness because it is so hard and so scary to start. And so it absolutely is the most paralyzing thing to do. And motion, I love to say this, but motion creates emotion. And, and you will always feel depressed and dark when you're sitting alone by yourself in a corner um, because all you're doing is focusing on the darkness. And as soon as you get outside and there's light and there's sunshine and there's, there's mo you will start to feel different, but you can't start to feel different unless you start to move. And the key word is start to move. I love that. I love that. Motion creates emotion. Now, what about this? Showing up is the thing, but what's the difference? Is there a difference between showing up and then showing up with intent? Yes, because you can show up and expect things to happen, but nothing happens unless you have a game plan, show up and then execute with intent. It's called being present, right? This is a huge buzzword, being present on your journey. And looking back on my journey, the most memorable moments are when I showed up with intent. I literally no word of a lie. I woke up this morning a little bit upset with myself because I was, I was rushing towards the finish line of the hundred. And I'm telling you, Jim, I missed so many opportunities to connect with people and to have an experience because I, I wasn't in that moment. And I could have had a lot more fun on the hundred inside of the suffering that I was having. If I had just slowed down just a little bit inside my head and said, look, I'm going to get to the finish line. It's who I am. It's in my DNA. It's what I'm about. It's what our team is here to do. And I missed a lot of opportunities to connect and impact more people because I was in such a hurry to get to that finish line to accomplish the goal. And I've, I've just really learned looking back on my journey. It's not about the finish lines. It, it truly is about the people that we come across and how we interact with them. And as you just said, our good friend, Ed Milet, he loves to say, it's not what you do. It's how you make somebody feel. I think what you said is so profound, James. I really do. I think that something I, I've also learned on this journey, especially of late the last year or so, as I've taken this on, that regret really gets you nowhere, right? It's worthless. But at the same time, what I do regret, and I'm going to be very real about this, I regret that on my particular journey, I didn't slow down long enough to enjoy those things that were happening along the way, those moments, those people, those relationships, because, man, you want it so badly, and you're grinding, and you're battling, and you're trying to get to the next day and the next show, and then all of a sudden it's behind you, and you're like, why didn't I enjoy that more? Why didn't I slow down more? Why didn't—and yep. I mean, it's so important, and, and I'm glad. Better to figure out late than never to figure it out at all, but I know exactly what you're talking about. I get that. Let me ask you this. For instance— like if somebody were to say, I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid, but the journey, you know, I'm just not ready or I'm just not prepared or I want to research this a little more. I want to think about this a little more. I'm not ready. What's your response to that for somebody who's putting off starting their journey? Yeah, I wasn't ready for any journey or any big challenge that we've been on. And it's impossible to be ready for any big challenge. And I've seen people fail their way to or just completely fail because they're trying to prepare their prepare themselves for success and at some point in time jim you you just have to start because you're not going to have the knowledge and experience to get to certain parts of your journey without starting and you're not going to meet individuals along your way that are going to be key contributors to what you do no, nothing great's ever accomplished on our own and we have to surround ourselves come across people and interact with people along that journey 
you, you can't plan who you're going to meet, who you're going to be introduced to, who you're going to impact that ultimately end up being part of your journey. And so for those people that are just sitting at home trying to come up with the perfect plan, you are going to plan yourself all the way to complete failure because it's never going to happen for you. There is no perfect plan. There is no execution. My biggest advice to people is to like be open to the journey and it's going to bend and twist and turn and every whatever you can think of, it's going to happen to you. And you can't experience that growth and knowledge without having those twists and turns happen to you. And that that's sometimes the best part of the journey. In other words, you can't experience anything or gain any knowledge if you don't get up off that couch. You know, a couple of things before I let you go. You are a mindset coach, as I met, as I mentioned. And mindset to me is one of the most fascinating parts of this entire thing. Like every single book I have ever read in the genre, every interview that I've ever done on this podcast or with any achiever, it comes up. Mindset. I'm really curious. In doing the Conquer 100. What did you learn about yourself and what did it tell you about how powerful the mind is? Everyone's mind. Uh, a few, few things. The mind is the most powerful asset we have. It can either cripple you or, or it can advance you. Um, I didn't realize truly how powerful the mind was until we came out of the 100. I remember the documentary crew asked me on day 97 or 98, how many do you think of these you could do? And instantly I said 200. And then when we finished the Conquer 100, I, I couldn't function. And it was just a true testament to how incredibly powerful the mind was. I mean, a lot of people don't know this, but on day 59, I was, I was in a catastrophic bike accident and utilizing the power of my mind. I did 41 consecutive more full distance triathlon with a broken back. And, what? and, and for me, the number one question I get every stage that I get off of, and I've had an opportunity to speak in 48 countries around the world. The number one question is how do I become more mentally tough. The only way you can't listen to Jim and I have a conversation. You can't listen to the genius in Ed Milet. You can't watch a, a, a motivational documentary. You have to go and have an experience because when you're back into a corner, when you're broken, when you have to get back on your bike, that's when you gain knowledge and experience. I truly believe the knowledge that I've gained by having experiences I could go do anything I want. It's just a matter of the time I'm willing and the sacrifices I'm willing to make to achieve that goal. And most things beyond what I've, what I've done, I'm not willing to sacrifice at this point. And my focus is shifting to other things. Everybody knows what they want. Nobody knows what they're willing to sacrifice or few know what they're willing to sacrifice in order to achieve that. I think I was going to definitely hit you with that, my man, before you left, because I think that's the number one question in today's day and age, right? And by the way, it's one of the biggest questions I've had in many years of myself and a huge reason why I started this, a huge reason why I wanted to talk to you, and you just beat me to it again. And the question being, how do we become mentally tougher? Anybody who wants to do better wants to know the answer to that. Now, I can see where going through what you went through made you mentally tougher. I'm a big David Goggins guy. I can understand where Goggins is mentally tougher. If somebody listening right now is just kind of your run of your mill, James, like, yeah, I'm a 40-hour guy. I, I, I'm just, there's nothing really exceptional about me at all. And I've never run a mile, much less a marathon, but I'm hearing what you're saying. You have to find a big goal. You have to jump into it. You have to push yourself. And it's only in those moments where you think you can't go on and you push on that you get that mental toughness. Like if you're starting from nowhere at all, what do you tell this person to begin their journey to mental toughness? If that makes sense. 
It, it does make sense. And people need to realize that my journey started with just that up off the couch, four mile fun run. And, and after accomplishing a lot of these things, I, I, I kept being told by everyone, like, you're different, you're special. And I was like, well, maybe I am. And I, so I went and I had all these genetic tests done. And um, I joke all the time and I say, I sat down with my kids and, and I started to, to read the results of the test. And, and it, it starts out with, you're an average white Canadian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because, because I truly have zero. There was zero genetic markers in there that separated me from anybody else. And, and every, every single person listening to this, whether you're at the beginning, the middle of the end of your journey, you are just like me. You're just like Hawkins. You're just like all of us who have decided to make a conscious decision to show up every single day, not pointing the finger at somebody else for the raw hand that we were dealing, not, but taking full accountability, like Jocko says, extreme accountability for exactly where we are. If we're winning in life, it's our fault. If we're losing in life, it's our fault. Take that and then decide to start to show up in your life. It's never too late to, to, to start. Uh, my grandmother just died, 90 years old. I'm sitting here right now. I'm 45 years old. I am only 50% of the way through my journey. I could totally pivot and start something totally brand new. I would have 45 more years to do that. I, I, I can now take my current experience and I have 45 more years to continue to build on a legacy to leave and, and whatever that is for my kids, my family, my posterity. I'm only 50% of the way through there and, and I've, and, and I've accomplished what I have. I'm so excited for the next 45 years. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. And you're right, Jocko. I also love Jocko. He is about extreme ownership, extreme ownership, never, ever point the finger. So last thought then about that. So there's nothing genetically significant or superior. You're an average white Canadian guy. Okay. But there is a ferocity. There is a drive. What about that? Were you hardwired? Have you always had that drive or was that also a decision? It is absolutely a decision. If you were to ask my wife right now, I'm a, I'm a lazy procrastinating male <laughs> that makes a very conscious decision every single day to try to better myself. And I trust me, man, I am, I'm just like everybody else. I wake up, I struggle. I don't want to do my workout. I want to consume all of the amazing tasting deliciousness that's out there. Um, I, I'm, I'm just your average carnal dude, but I, I, I know I'm capable of so much more. I believe I've, I've lived up to my potential at this point, and I'm trying to exceed what, 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 you know, the way our mothers always see us and want for us. And, and that's truly, that's truly my desire. And, and I have those five kids, Jim, I've got those five kids and really they're my responsibility. I brought them to this, this earth and we learn so much kids are humbling and, and I don't, I don't want to let them down. And, and, and again, it's, it's my responsibility to help them become their best. And, and I can only do that by continually showing up in, in my life and overcoming our natural tendencies as humans, which is to, to, be, to be complacent. I, and, listen, I, and I don't think that's what, James, that, what James, anybody I, wants. I, I, I am starting to interrupt. I got to take one last shot at this before I ask you where they can learn more about all of these things. But I have to take one last shot at this. This thing about how, look, you really are no different. I mean, you were a great and are a great, great athlete. And you competed really hard at other things. You were a wrestler. You were a golfer. You certainly had athletic ability. Are you telling me, like if I were to say to you, come here to Southern California, let's walk down the street, let's find a number of people. And if they were committed, could you really turn them into you? I mean, are you really not that much different than the rest of us? Could you turn other people into this? Absolutely, without a question. They would have to do their part. 
but I, I, I could, with, with what our, our team knowledge that we have, the experience that we have, I could take a willing person and help them to create whatever they wanted to create. Here's the reality. I believe spirituality is the umbrella over everything. And then there's the other big question is, is, is this, how much of this is mental and how much of this is physical? Right. Wait, and you can, have you, to, can you answer that for me? I was going to ask you that. How much of that is mental and how much is physical? Yeah. And, and you hear Navy SEALs and all these guys say, once you get to a certain point physically, you've got 40% more. And the, the reality and the nuts and bolts of that question is it's a hundred percent physical and it's a hundred percent mental and you have to really attack both of those with intent like we talked about because i i could take someone who is a mental giant but that is 300 pounds and really struggles in that aspect of their life and i don't care how strong you are mentally you cannot drag that body through a, a, a something like a conquer 100 and then i could take the most physically fit specimen on the planet that is a mental midget and again i cannot that person cannot drag that physical specimen if they don't have the mind. And so you have to take a hundred percent physical, a hundred percent mental with the umbrella of spirituality. That's how you can do it. And you, and both of those are a thousand percent teachable if the, the student is willing to learn and, and really show up on their journey with intent, like we talked about. All right. So now you do teach and if people want to learn or if people want to train with you or maybe a company wants to bring you in to speak or they want to learn more about what you and your team are doing, where can I direct them to? Yeah, we're very active on social media, mostly on Instagram, Iron Cowboy James, and then everything, contact forms, information about us is all on our uh, website, ironcowboy.com. What about the book, Redefine Impossible? Is that sold where all books are sold, or is that through the website? Where can they find your book, which is amazing? Yeah, thank you. That book is on uh, through our website, ironcowboy.com, and it's also sold everywhere on Amazon. Uh, there's also a documentary that's uh, from about the 50 on uh, Amazon Prime, and we are currently writing the second book, About the 100, um, lessons that we learned on there that I think are very applicable. And then um, the second documentary will be coming out at the end of this year as well. So we'll have uh, the sequel to both um, the first part of our journeys. That is absolutely awesome. The content is amazing. And then a final thought, I mean, aside from working with endurance athletes, very, very uh, obviously you do that. If somebody wants to just get started, are you working with the weekend athletes? Are you working with somebody who's trying to get in? What's, what's the best way for them to approach that with you? Or maybe is that not available? No, it absolutely is available. We, we've got an unbelievable team here and, and we work with all levels. I mean, I, I, I appreciate that my journey had a beginning and I never want to forget that. And so we've developed a, a fitness app that you can sign up just for $1. $1 gets you started and we kind of walk you through the whole process. And we also coach world championships. So it, it's, it's important to me to, to help everybody at every level um, achieve what they want. And it doesn't have to be an Ironman or distance triathlon. It doesn't have to be even a triathlon. Just general fitness. You want to get up off the couch. You want to start moving. We talked about motion creates emotion. And I think that's super important. And then obviously the mindset uh, side of stuff. So, yeah, we, we want to try to help as many people who we can. And I've just learned that on my journey, it's, it's hope. Hope is life. And that hopefully that's what you people get from our messages that um, we, we choose to suffer intentionally. And we hope that that uh, that example gives you hope to to manage the the suffering that you're not intentionally experiencing. Uh, I love, that's a great thing to walk off on. I love that line. And again, I want to reiterate the one thing, well, I've gotten dozens of things from this as I knew that I would, but I, I also love that notion that 
everybody everybody starts their particular journey somewhere you me everybody but you have to get up off the couch and start the journey james my man i cannot tell you how thrilled i am to meet you to have this time with you i appreciate and respect your time so much thank you for sharing so much of it today that was absolutely exceptional and thank you so much for that absolutely jim i'm, I'm humbled to be invited here and i hope one day myself you and ed Milet, we get a we got to meet in person on a tee box somewhere around the world. That would be the absolute best. I definitely will look forward to that. My man, that 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 was beautiful. I, I really appreciate you and the fact that you spent so much time with me, man. Thank you so much for that. Absolutely. And then anything I can do for you to help bless and and, and uh, contribute to your tribe, just let me know. Obviously, Lucy is is my girl and just have just contact us and we're happy to contribute any way we can for you. Thank you so much. And I'm not sure what I can do for you, but I am here for you as well. Anything that I can do for you guys as well. Thank you so much. I'm going to produce that up, push it out. I'm really proud of it already. And, and dude, seriously, so good to meet you. Per usual, I'm going to come out of that conversation with my typical reaction. Absolute gold. Absolute gold, and that's an episode I myself will listen to over and over again because there are so many powerful messages to absorb and assimilate. Powerful but simple, simple but not easy. Now, here are a few of the messages that really resonate with me. One, the importance of showing up. I mean, that's a given, right? I think part of the reason I've done this, as long as I've done this, and I still get opportunities even to this day, three decades in, is I figured this out early on, to show the hell up. And I have, every day, for decades, with very few exceptions. And I still do, because I always knew that if I didn't, somebody else would. However, showing up is one thing, but showing up with intent is another and focus, and then executing with incredible intent and focus. And that if you do that every single day, one day you wake up and that enormous goal that seems so daunting, if not impossible, has actually already been realized. So not only do you need to show up every single day, regardless of how you feel, but you show up with incredible and amazing intent and focus. Personally, I have always shown up but now I have dialed up how I show up. And here's something else that I found really interesting that's a slight variation on a theme that I hammer every single week on this podcast. The single most important theme or lesson that I think I've heard since I started this podcast and this journey is, of course, standard over feelings. The standard is the standard and standard over feelings. Yeah, I know. I know. It sounds like a broken record. Believe me, I don't even always adhere to it, but I will tell you this. I do believe deeply in it, and I believe it would solve most of the issues in all of our lives if we never gave into our emotions and always adhered to the standard. Virtually every poor choice or poor decision I have ever made has been a result of giving into a feeling or an emotion and not holding the line, not adhering to the standard. I mean, frankly, that shit chips away at your resolve. And your confidence. However, adhering to the standard and not giving into the feeling strengthens your resolve and your will and your discipline and your confidence. Which brings me to what James said, quote, it's okay to feel, it's not okay to quit. All right, so how do we reconcile that with standard over feeling? Actually, he's saying 
It's both. It's both. The standard is not quitting, but you're allowed to feel. You're allowed to feel you're not allowed to quit. In other words, you want to cry, cry. You want to feel sorry for yourself, go right ahead. But do it, do it quickly, and then get your ass back to work. Get your ass back on the path. I like that. The standard is the standard, and the standard over the feeling, but as a subtext, it's okay to feel, it's just not okay to quit. Or to put it another way, you just take quitting off the table. The standard is the standard, and the standard is you do not quit. If the Iron Cowboy never quit in the midst of 100 tries in 100 days, despite being busted the hell up, how can any of us justify quitting whatever it is we're thinking about quitting right now? And finally, I love the fact that if you have hit rock bottom, he wanted to be the first to congratulate you because in his words, that's the best place to be. Yes, it's horrific, and it's brutal, and the hardest thing ever, but it's in those times where you experience the greatest growth and knowledge and experience, but only if you dig deeper than you ever have before and fight harder than you ever have before. And you should, because you've never had a more important reason to, to get your bleeping life back. So to James Lawrence's point, if you're listening right now and you're at rock bottom, that's exactly where you want to be, exactly where you need to be, because now your journey truly begins. The only way out is straight through. And to his point, if you have the courage to get up and fight, not only can you get your life back, but it can be more extraordinary and spectacular a life than you could have ever dreamed of. Once again, thank you so much for joining me on this journey. If you like what you heard today, please be sure to subscribe to the pod, review it, and share it as well, because as you know, that goes a long, long way, and it helps all of us. Have an amazing week. Show up every single day with amazing intent, and I will see you next time right here on The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.